Did you know that there are over 65 million Gen Xers, yet so few financial advisors focus on Gen X? Why? It's because you aren't rich. Yet. Welcome to the Gen X Money Advisor with Michael Labus, certified financial planner, certified college funding specialist, and founder of Gen X Wealth Partners. This podcast focuses on the specific needs of Gen Xers by a Gen Xer. Get ready to explore topics that will help you get your retirement on track, maximize your dollar towards your child's education, and successfully manage aging parents. We will even sprinkle in a little health and wellness, travel and leisure, and time and stress management. Come and experience the expertise of Michael and his special guests who focus on enhancing the quality of your life today and in the future. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gen X Money Advisor. I'm Michael Labus, and today we are going to be talking about if the 60-40 portfolio is dead. I'm hearing a lot of complaints out there. People are complaining about their bonds or their more conservative part of their investments. And they're saying, Michael, my bonds are doing horribly. What can I do? So I started you know, looking into some stats here. Year to date, our aggregate bond index is down 8.49%. Our three-year average for bonds down 2.59%. And our five-year total return for bonds is only 5.88%. And this is probably why people are talking to me about this. People are saying, well, I thought bonds were safe. I thought bonds went up in value when stocks went down. People are asking me if there's other opportunities besides bonds. So today we're going to talk about these topics and I will also be providing some insight on ideas for your bond portion of your portfolio. To begin, I think we need to talk about why we invest in bonds. And these are our you know, more traditional reasons. The first one being income, right? And that could be either taxable or tax-free if you're looking at municipal bonds. The second one would be to lower our risk, right? Uh, third would be to diversify the portfolio. You, know, you can't have all your money in stocks. You can't have all your eggs in one basket. So bonds are a nice way to diversify a portfolio. And then lastly, if they, bonds can also reduce the volatility in your portfolio. Historically speaking, when stocks go down, bonds should go up in value. And that leads me to the challenges that are facing bonds right now. You know, looking back since I've been an advisor, about 20 years, I've always talked to my clients about what to expect from the bond part of their portfolio. And that's around 5%. And that's going to come from a little bit of appreciation of the bond itself and some of you know the dividend. 5%. But that really, that upside that previously existed, it's going away. Uh, we also have interest rates that are going up, which increases our, our interest rate risk. Uh, to illustrate that, bonds have an inverse relationship. So when interest rates go down, bond prices go up. 
people want to own the bond that was issued yesterday because rates are going down. Now, unfortunately, that's what we're familiar with. When I was born in 1980, interest rates peaked. So interest rates have gone nothing but go down since then. And people, that's what people are familiar with. So when bond prices, I'm sorry, when interest rates go up, bond prices have to come down. And that's what people are starting to recognize. So that's definitely, that's probably the biggest challenge right now with bonds. Another challenge would be credit issues. And you know, when you're in a recession, uh, companies start to default. And that is another risk of owning a bond. If a company defaults, I mean, you're holding the bag, right? <laughs> we also have investor sentiment. So with the current interest environment, your longer dated bonds are getting slammed because they have the most interest rate exposure. They're very sensitive to rates going higher. So people are selling longer term bonds because there's no appetite for them. To illustrate that, we also have an inverted yield curve. Shorter term bonds are actually paying more than longer term bonds in certain circumstances. That's not a healthy bond market. <laughs> and that also is a telltale uh, sign. Uh, if you're a poker player, that's a tell for, for a, a potential uh, recession that's coming. So that's what's really challenging the bond market right now. And that's a lot to, to digest. To put this into context, what can history tell us? So I, I did some research on some recent bear markets. Going back to the financial crisis, 2008, we all remember that. Lehman Brothers collapsed mid-September. Mid and then in March of 2009, the bear market bottomed. But what did the bond market do during that period? Well, it was down 6%. All right, that's fine. S&P was down 32. Wow, well, bonds really saved the day there, didn't they? 2020, coronavirus. That was actually a very short bear market. Uh, we had February 19th, 2020 to March 23rd, 2020. Almost a month. It felt a lot longer than that, but it wasn't. Aggregate bond index down 2.67%. S&P down 28. Wow, all right. Bonds save the day again. Glad I owned them. Let's look at year to date. I don't really have a, an end date. Bear market's still, we're in it right now. But year to date, aggregate bond index is down 8.49%. And the S&P is down about 14. Okay. Well, bonds aren't really saving the day here. And the reason for that is we've got inflation. And what makes this bear market different than the prior two is the Fed was cutting rates to stimulate the economy to get us out of it. The exact opposite is happening today. The Fed is actually raising rates to slow down inflation to bring, th to bring things back to normal, which is why bonds are not saving the day. They are very correlated to the S&P 500 because of that. So my tip of the week is to review your bond holdings. And I want you to look for a few things. First off is to check out the maturity. I don't want you holding a lot of longer term bonds because they're so 
sensitive to interest rates. Also look at the credit quality. Now, if you're holding junk bonds, they might be higher yielding, but they're also susceptible to defaults. And I don't think that's a risk you want right now. I also want you to see who is the issuer. Is it the government? Is it a company? Just so you understand what debt you own. And I want you to understand that because what I'm about to talk to you about might impact what you want to do with these bonds. And we talked about how bonds historically have saved the day and how they're not saving the day right now. There is something out there that may help save the day and that are that is alternative investments. Alternative investments can also provide diversification. They also provide a low correlation to the market, meaning they kind of do their own thing. They're not going to follow the market. The market's up, doesn't mean commodities or alternative investments are going to be up. They could be down, but that's what you want. You want something that's not going to move ebb and flow with the market. And they also reduce your interest rate risk because they're not tied to interest rates. So I get asked a lot, what are alternative investments? That's a, that's a generic term, Michael. Uh, it is a generic term, but there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, alternative investments out there. So let's, let's go through them. The first one would be commodities. And commodities is a broad term, but let's break that down a little bit here. The big one would be oil. And everybody's familiar with oil. But oil has done very well year to date. And that's mainly due to inflation, supply chain issues, policy, and demand's picked up because we're emerging from the lockdowns. So that's that's really the, the great formula for oil to do well. And it shows year to date up 34%. Another big commodity is natural gas. And this is an interesting one because the future is very bright for natural gas. Many people view this as a bridge commodity. And what I mean by that is people think that the need for natural gas will go up because it's a plentiful and cleaner uh, way to fuel uh, the global markets. So there's a lot of value potentially in natural gas. Precious metals, we're all familiar with gold, but don't forget about silver, copper, and even lithium. Think about all the green movements with electric vehicles, renewables, and lithium's really a necessity uh, to fund that. We also have agricultural commodities, corn, wheat. Look at wheat with, with the Ukraine and Russia and the supply there. Wheat's a big one. Soybeans. And my favorite, which is frozen concentrated orange juice. Yes, that is actually a traded commodity. And you might be familiar with that from the movie Trading Places. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, uh, they, they try to get back at the Dukes ruining their lives by cornering the frozen concentrated orange juice market. And they put them in the poorhouse, and it's hilarious. If you've not seen it, go see it. It's funny. So how do you take all of that and make it easy for yourself? And one way to do that is to 
look into broad-based commodity mutual funds and indexes. They will take all that work off your off your table. But they're not those commodities aren't just all the alternative investments. There's also what we call market neutral investments. What does that mean? Market neutral. Market neutral means that this investment, the market has no impact on it. Doesn't matter. Market go up 100%, down 100%. This investment's can be very particular to an event. You could also call this event driven. Here's an example something called merger arbitrage. Well, what's that mean? Merger arbitrage is when you have two companies buying each other out. Great example would be Pepsi buying Coke. Pepsi goes to Coke and says, you know, I, I'm just so sick of this battle, this feud. What if we offered you $100 a share and we want to buy you? Is that cool? Coke says, you're right. This is stupid. Yes, we accept $100 a share. At the time of that merger, Coke was trading at $80 a share. So on that news, Coke stock's going to get to like $99.50. It's going to hang out there. It's not going to go above $100 because no one wants to pay more than $100 a share for something that's only going to be worth $100 at the end of the day. It's not going to drop a whole lot either because people know it's going to be worth $100. So it's going to float a little bit below $100 until that merger is completed. What this strategy does is it goes and buys Coke on that news. It pays $99.50 and it holds it till the deal goes through and takes that small spread and that's the profit. That's why it's market neutral. And historically speaking, merger arbitrage has performed historical bond-like returns. Year to date, it's up a little bit, maybe half a percent, but that's a lot better than being down almost nine. So merger arbitrage, pretty cool. Another alternative investment option would be what we call defined outcome investments. I like to call them buffered ETFs. And these are really cool because you know going into the purchase what your upside and what your downside is. They basically buy insurance via options to protect your investment. So for an example, you might say, all right, I'll ha- I want to protect the first 10% of my downside. And then if the market's down more than 10%, I'm okay at that point to, to assume the losses because I don't think the market's going to go down more than 10%. And on the upside, I'm okay having a little bit less upside because I've got some protection on the downside. Or you could say to yourself, well, I think the market's really volatile right now, but I still think if I had 25% protection, as an example, uh, and I'd be willing to accept any losses over 25%. And on the upside, my upside would be a little bit less because I got more protection, but I'm okay with that. So these are tied to an S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or this, you know, the Russell or small caps. And you can gain equity exposure to the broad market, but know what you're buying and know your upside and downside when you buy it. That's pretty cool. And it's a, actually could be a way to just, you know, you could invest in that for your fixed income or bond portion of your portfolio and not really increase the risk a whole lot. 
So let, let's let's talk about our uh, potential returns here. So if we took alternatives as a category year to date, they're up 4.3%. And that's just blended a third into commodities, a third market neutral, a third defined outcome to the S&P 500, up 4.3%. The aggregate, like we mentioned, was down 8.49. Let's look at a year. Alts up seven and a half, aggregate bond down nine. Three-year, alts almost up 60%, aggregate down about 3%. Your five-year return, alts up 46%, aggregate bonds only up 6%. So you're, you're seeing the upside potential in the alternative investments versus your traditional bonds. That's pretty staggering. Now, if you were to blend them and say 50% of that in alts, 50% of that into our traditional bonds, the turn returns are muted, but they're still better. Year to date, a blended portfolio down 2%. One year, basically flat. Three year, up 28%. Five year, up 26%. Still destroying the return of bonds. For full disclosure, the performance numbers we discussed today are hypothetical in nature. Past performance does not guarantee future results. So based upon that, we get back to the original discussion. Is the 60-40 portfolio dead? And you come here for my opinion, and my opinion is for the foreseeable future, I think it is. And regardless of your risk tolerance, which is important, but regardless of it, there is a place for alternatives. And I would much rather advocate for having some alternatives than nothing. You know, let's talk about the risk. The aggregate bond index is a score of 26, and a score of 26 I sourced from Riskalyze, which is my risk software. And the alts are by themselves 44. So, okay, a little bit more risky. Yes. If you were to blend alts and the ags 50 50, now your risk is only 29. And by 26 to 29 is, is negligible. So you're not really adding a lot of risk, but you're also but you're adding a lot of upside potential and further diversification. So in conclusion, I think it's time to consider alternatives. You know, look at the bond market. We, we haven't seen this type of activity in the bond market since the 70s. And I think we have to get creative in this market. I mean, it's very dynamic. And to sit back and just to hold these bonds based upon historical returns, I think it's, I think it's dead money. So yeah, the 60-40 portfolio is dead. And I want to help you reallocate that 40% of your portfolio or that 20% of your portfolio. I can help you make sense of alternatives, explain them to you. Because I always say you want to invest in things you understand. So don't just go and build a, an aggregate or an alternative portfolio yourself. Reach out to me, schedule a chat, email me at michael at genxwealthpartners.com. Check out my website, www 
www.genxwealthpartners.com. And as always, you can follow and subscribe to the GenX Money Advisor for Intel like we shared today. I want to thank everybody for listening and go study your alternative investments. Thank you for listening to the Gen X Money Advisor podcast. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Gen X Wealth Partners. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, Kestra IS, member FNRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC, Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Gen X Wealth Partners is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS. Views within the podcast are solely of Gen X Wealth Partners and are not necessarily the views of Kestra AS or Kestra IS. Yes.